welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives we lead on our path to self-mastery. Today on the show, we have G. Scott Graham. Scott is an author, a career coach, and a business coach in Boston, Massachusetts. He's driven to help clients follow their true azimuth, which is different from true north. It means coaching clients to identify the true focus of their life, something that spoke individually to them. It means recognizing the forces that push our lives off course and adjusting to them so you get to exactly where you want to go. It means that when you are 90 years old, you can look back on your life and have a sense of pride, accomplishment, and meaning with no regrets. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Scott, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Really great. It is really a privilege to be here on your show, Nick. I appreciate you being here. I know we recently connected. Uh, I was looking at a little bit of your background, so I'm excited to get into this. Uh, Just from the handful of minutes that we were kind of shooting the shit before we hit record, I feel like we're going to have a pretty damn good conversation. (laughs) Typically how it goes with this show, we'll get into Mm -hmm, some wild mm -hmm. stuff. But uh, Scott, why don't you kick us off with what you do for a living and uh, one thing that most people don't know about you. Boy, there's a lot of things that people don't know about me, but I try to make it known all these little pieces about me. Let's see. I work as a coach. I'm working on number 16 and 17 of books that I've written. I am an EMT. I am a volunteer firefighter. I'm actually an EMT instructor. I teach Tai Chi for the elderly. I run a nonprofit for a farm animal rescue. Uh, And I am getting ready to do a Tough Mudder at, do you know what a Tough Mudder is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Electric City, Mud, Wires, shit like that. I'm getting ready to do a Tough Mudder again after a two two knee replacements, uh, total knee replacements. And, uh, I'm doing this, this tough mutter. I was, I was somehow hoodwinked into it. And I feel like I'm like the, I'm like the grandpa of the tough mutter. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's bad, (laughs) but, but everybody else is like in their twenties and thirties and you know, I'm 59. I'm like, wow. They're like, don't worry, we'll help you get over the obstacles. I'm like, I don't need help getting over the goddamn obstacles. I need, I just want you to know I'm not running. They're like, why? I'm like, because the, I have two knee replacements and the doctor was really clear since I got them replaced at a young age. If I do things like running, I might, I might wear them out. I might not. But I might. And I don't want to have a knee replacement surgery. I mean, they're new, right? They're, it's not sure. like we've been replacing knees since yeah. 1855 <laughs> and can say, oh, they last 150 years. Yeah. So they're like, oh, they, they're supposed to last for the rest of your life. But they don't, they don't last for football players. So yeah. all the doctor said to me is he said, you need to avoid things that go like this with your knees. He said, you can do this. You can do, he said, if you can do a triathlon, as long as you don't run, you find someone to sub for you on the running section, you can bike and swim. Uh, so, so I'm not running on the tough mutter. Are you going to do like the fast kind of jog? Where you're no, I'm not even going to, I'm not <laughs> even going to do, I have to be careful so that I, you know, that I'm, that I'm not impacting that thing on my yeah. knees. So it's even when I hike now, I'm having a difficult time because I have no trouble going uphill. But coming down, I, you know, when you come down, you usually land on your skeletal system, 
right? It's these take your leg is extended yeah. and straight, and you your skeletal system takes the full brunt of that force. But I'm so I'm working on this kind of going downhill with my legs bent, so it looks like I'm taking a dump when I'm going down the hill with my legs bent because I don't I haven't been I'm like 59 I haven't just been doing this walking down with my legs bent forever that's why I had to get two knee replacements so it's weird trying to learn that I look it's 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 people are like are you okay I'm like yes I just don't know how to walk just, just, I'm fine I'm fine just lean into the story and be like calm down I'm actively taking your shit leave me alone what, right. what, what are you looking at me for can a man oh. walk down a mountain and take a shit? <laughs> man. Oh, man. All right. So uh, there's all of that. Um, the I, I want to kind of jump into the MT and the firefighter thing because I, I can relate to that kind of pretty quickly. Uh, my dad and brother are uh, firemen. My brother's an EMT. He's kind of a superhero in many different ways. Um, but that shit just jumped completely over me. Like completely over me. I see fire and I'm like, shit, somebody's got to come put this out and I've got to maybe help people that are close and get out of here. My dad and mm -hmm. brother will, they don't care where they are. There are stories of my father being out at, uh, you know, uh, having a couple beverages at places and then ending up with an ax in his hand at some point, just helping out the local crew. And they're like, right. the fuck are you? I'm are sure, they, have you are been they both volunteers? They were volley and paid. Okay. You know that so, for for the, for your listeners out there, the, the, uh, here's a fact for you to know: most of the firefighters and EMTs in the United States are volunteers. Mm -hmm. Very, very few of I'm a volunteer. I don't get paid a penny. And very, very few people who are out there jumping into fires, running around in traffic, pulling people out of cars, doing CPR covered with blood. There, there's very few people that are paid because who can pay them, especially in rural America? Or you can pay them in a big city. If you have a big city with a big tax base, then sure. you can pay them. But if you don't have that, if you want to have coverage in your station 24-7, Right. That's it's it's not like emergency or so, you know, fire department, you know, all these shows that we see on television. It's not like that, you know. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it's funny. I um, so uh, I'm originally from Philadelphia. My family's still in Philadelphia. I live in Florida now, mm -hmm. but uh, I go home every so often, every handful of months and I'll be shooting the breeze with my dad and we'll be hanging out watching TV or something. So short version of this, over the summer, we we're shooting the shit and watching some baseball game or something. And some 9-11 or 911 um, episode popped up, like uh, that 911 show and craziness. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, Pop, you watch this? And he instantly was like, fuck all of that. That is so wrong. It's fake, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so right. he's not on the podcast, but can you give his perspective of that? Like why people will look at it and be like, fuck all of it. It's not right. Because they, 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 they put all this stuff in for drama. Like, it, I mean, mm -hmm. firefighters do it. It's, it's exciting, but we, we are erring on the edge of, of safety and yeah. we never, ever, for example, you see firefighters on TV going, going around burning, smoldering buildings without their air mask on because you have to see their face. Right. And who wants mm -hmm. to watch a TV show where there's a multi-million dollar <laughs> star going <laughs> because they have something over their face. So they, yeah. they don't have that on. They don't have, you know, they're not 
fully in the fire gear because you have to see their flowing hair and their blue eyes or whatever. And I mean, lots of times they even have their fire hat on backwards. But beyond that, you know, they, the, the interesting thing, you see, I see this in every single movie and it's hysterical. Fire hydrants do not, you know, you see when a car runs over a fire hydrant and it goes mm-hmm. like that. They don't work. That's not how they work. That's yeah. not how they work. Fire hydrants are not under pressure. Um, and anybody who has been in a city where you have to get the fire hydrant going knows you have to un- open the fire and then you have to actually turn a valve. So if you mm-hmm. run over a fire hydrant, it is not going to go straight up in the air all the time. That's completely fake. It's completely fake. So yeah. um, I just become, you know, Nick, it's, I just became uh, uh, a firefighter instructor, uh, not a fire. Mm-hmm. I became a fire fire instructor a few years ago, and I just became an EMT instructor. And part of my mission is to, you know, this is about mindset and self-mastery, right? So part of my mindset is service and, and really trying to have a ripple effect on the world. And, mm-hmm. And part of that piece of me being an EMT instructor is to get more people trained in EMS so that at least Mm -hmm. they can show up and do CPR and help their neighbors who are bleeding while the ambulance is on the way. Uh, Because it's we it's it's even with our advancements in in technology and our advancements in communication and our advancements in in vehicles, it's still like 20, sometimes 30 minutes before help arrives. Mm. Be nice if it was five minutes before help arrives and then they can hand it off to the big boys. So that's part well, of it my is in the TV hope. shows. <laughs> no, it's five minutes in the shows. So <laughs> come on. True. You guys got something to live up to. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> totally uh, kidding. Totally kidding. Firefighter friends and EMS friends don't kick my ass. You can get um, a bunch of hate mail. Uh, yeah, 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 please. <laughs> Not me. Just hold hate mail. I love you Nick guys. Nick McGowan, yeah, totally. email him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So where did that all come from, though? Like, why, uh, why get into the spot where service is important to you? But that not only has it been important over the course of your life, but as you've already stated a couple of times, you're close to 60 years old. So now you're actually helping the next generation of people. That's a separate sort of deal. But what has led you to that point where you're like, I want to do all of these things to now create other leaders? I think a part of part of that is I'm read. I'm running out of gas. Right. And so I, uh, I, you know, the, one of the best ways that I can be of service is to help kind of ca- help other people carry that on. That's one of the reasons I write all these, I'm writing all these books. I have this goal, mm-hmm. which some say is audacious, but I have this goal that I want to write a hundred books before I die. So I'm not even well, halfway there. I'm not even th- a quarter of the way there. Cause I've only written 15, but I have a lot to say. And I think that th- that's, that's the same drive to like have an impact. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people live, live, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really a fucked up world that we live in, in so many ways, because people think that success is about having the biggest car, the biggest jet, the biggest house, the most vacations, the yacht, the, this, the, 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 and, and, and then maybe once you've accumulated that, oh, I'm going to set up a foundation that's going to help give money. It's just so belong. It's just ugh. really the, the the best thing that we can do is to really help each other. When you, when it really comes down to mm-hmm. it, what else is there? 
right? You want to look back at your life and say, oh, yeah, look at that. Look at the nice motorcycles. I have a collection of historic motorcycles, 50 of them in my garage. That's an achievement. Um, <laughs> uh, but to be able to say that, you know, I've, I've trained and, and, and I'm, I'm going to have an impact on people after I'm gone because of people that mm -hmm. I'm trained. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, yes, that totally is pretty cool. Now, as a mindset show and about self-mastery, which is basically discipline, would you say that some of that comes from the ego or is there an innate pull to always serve people? Like I know the people that just serve because if they didn't, it's like they would die. That's their water. Right. Do you feel some of that's ego or do you feel that some of that is like, I just need to do this? It can be ego mm -hmm. and that's a risk that's really a risk because mm -hmm. we can get attached to that ego just as much as we can get attached to the motorcycles the yachts and this right yeah. it's like i have an endowment to the school and now they have the g scott graham school of psychology or whatever with big gold mm -hmm. letters printed across and my better spell it correctly too by the way that really <laughs> is the driver of the ego you get invited to be on this board of directors and that board of directors and then you know it just it just puffs mm -hmm. you up and then you can get attached to that same type of stuff and want to have that yeah. just it can be it's just like the motorcycles um or the yachts or whatever, or the, or, or the, or a string of achievements or having, you know, your name up in lights. And that's, that, that's a, that's a risk. But for me, that's not that way. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about it here on the podcast, but, and I talk about it with people because that's who I am, but it's not a driver of, of, you know, my, you know, look at who, who Scott Graham is. I'm really just a guy. Yeah. And, you know, people look at celebrities, they look at athletes and they forget that they're just people. Um, for the most part, some of them are just geeks, nerds, right. whatever, just like the rest of us. Right. They have their little quirks and things that they get into um, with any sort of success, no matter what level. You could be at Jeff Bezos level or you could be somebody who's having a little bit of success in their little cubicle at work. Whatever that looks like, that ego, that ego can still kind of creep in. So how do you manage your mindset in those sort of moments? And how do you help other people do it? Like what sort of advice would you, would you give for that? I think, I think the, the, first of all, recognizing that there's an attachment to that ego and who I am. Mm. And that's, that's a really big piece. So I want you, and that's true for any issue that you're having with your mindset, recognizing that piece. Uh, and then yeah. the other, the other aspect around that is being aware of your foibles that you're not perfect, right? We could, mm -hmm. you, you know, if you want, I could talk about all the, all the dastardly things my shithead brain says to me, you know, like you probably have an evil Nick that like says, you know what? My brain says things to me that I would never, ever, ever tolerate from another human being. Like I would never yeah. let anybody get away with the shit that my brain. Yeah. There'd be a restraining <laughs> order. Yeah, and right? All this other shit. right. And so, you know, not, not purposely ratcheting that up, but, you know, looking at the things that I still have to do to develop and grow and, you know, and, and, and move forward. Uh, Cause what, every single person has challenges. And the second we move away yeah. from that piece and, and don't appreciate that, we lose a touch of our, we, 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 we lose touch with our humanity.
<laughs> Man, that that thin line of the humanity and the pursuit of perfection, where everybody's trying to be better and better and better and better and better. You're trying to pursue this perfect life. Same time, people at times, and they're like, oh, I don't know, I'm only human. Like, but there's such a difference from that, I'm aiming for perfection, and then, you know, I fucked up, and oh, I'm only human. Right. But there's no accountability unless it's like right in the middle with that balance. Right. So how do you find balance in your life? I think, it could, could I address another piece? Because I actually have some guilt Please. about this. And this is a piece that I think is inherently screwed up in the coaching field. Uh, whether it's career coaching or life, co life coaching is the worst. Uh, and I coach people, <laughs> right? And I, and so this is, this is my it. confession to folks in that, you know, one of the things that you hear from, from coaches, especially life coaches, but you hear it from career and business and other, is that your life's going to be magical from coaching and they want to want you to develop your vision. And the more clear your vision is, the more clear as like Simon Sinek says, your why is you're going to then build mm -hmm. this life that is just utopian and blissful and happy. And you are just, I mean, there's going to be rainbows coming out your ears. You're going to be farting butterflies and puppy <laughs> dogs, and it's just going to be, you're going to be high all the time. And, and we talk I mean, with that, obviously I'm parodying that with, uh, in, in this conversation, but you know, th there is this push to be better and more and happy and this bill of goods gets sold and inherently that makes people more unhappy. <laughs> we think that the clearer our vision is, the better it is, but you don't hit it. And how do you feel unhappy? You don't get it. It goes yeah. away. And how do you feel? Unhappy. And so the real mm -hmm. key mindset is not about happiness. It's about equanimity. Equanimity mm -hmm. is key. And that's probably a word your listeners have never even heard before. They're like, what is that? I got to look it up on Google. What does that mean? <laughs> that's a 50 cent right? word. It's, yeah. And it's not a 50 cent. It should be a word that everybody is familiar with uh, because unlike other emotions like happiness or anger, equanimity is a feeling, but equanimity is also a mm -hmm. skill set. And they kind of go hand in hand. You really can't, you know, happiness is a feeling, but happiness isn't really a skill set. I mean, you can work to try to be happy, mm -hmm. but it's not really something you could say, how you work? I'm working on my skill of happiness. But you can actually work <laughs> on in, in, in expanding your skills to be um, equanimous with things. Um, I was talking to a friend mm. today. And, um, and then I'm going to shut up and let you ask your other question because I'm probably off on some tangent. You're like, <laughs> shut up. Uh, I was talking to a friend. <laughs> no, we're good. I'll pull you back. <laughs> I was talking to a friend today and she said to me, she, she's struggling with some dynamics going on in her life. And she said to me when we were talking, we're both familiar with this. She said, Yata Bhuta, which is a Tibetan Buddhist uh, Pali term, um, which, set, which translates to as it is. Yata buta, as it is, not as you would like it to be. And if we are able to cultivate a mindset where we embrace yata buta, as it is, 
and that skill to stay that way when we're feeling sucked in by the ego or cars or this, or stay that way when we're sucked in by everything going to hell in a handbasket, right? To have that balance, that's really the key. Mm. That's really the key. And that's really accepting things as they are. And that doesn't mean... You know, oh, I don't give a shit about anything. I'm just going to get high and wasted, and and it doesn't it it doesn't mean that at all. It's not indifference. It there in equanimity hmm. is not indifference. Hmm. I, I think the American version of that is it is what it is. But a lot of people take that and will kind of fall back to the "but I'm only human" sort of thing. They're like, oh, I don't know, because it's just a throwaway right. almost. So how do you suggest that people would hold themselves accountable with it is what it is and understand the contentment of that and the equanimity of it? The, the interesting thing about that is that you cannot say it is what it is and expect that that's going to bring that mindset about because, you know, <laughs> there I, 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 I have a friend who, who has recently gone through some struggles and she says, you know, all this, all the time, it's, it is what it is very similar to, or your tabuta. And I've pointed out, I'm like, you know, just because you say it doesn't actually, you know, I can see that you really don't appreciate you know, what's going on here. There's like imbalance, right? You can be like, fuck them. I don't give a yeah. shit about that asshole. It is what it is. Well, clearly if it is what it is, you would not say, fuck them. I don't give a shit about that asshole. Right. <laughs> it, would, it just wouldn't be that way, yeah. you know? And so how do you develop that piece? And the, the most powerful way to develop that piece is through a technique called Vipassana meditation. There's lots of things you can do at the surface mm. level and all this other stuff, but Vipassana meditation and sitting down and practicing that skill set builds that skill on the micro level without any interruptions, without mm. any, without any distractions, without any other things going on in your head. It's just focusing on accepting things as they are. And you, if you practice that piece of and you can do it at home, you can do it in the subway, you can do it. Uh, it's hard to do in the subway. You can do it in the grocery store. It's hard to do in the grocery store. It's better to do it when there's no, no distractions, but to just exist with life as it is that's that's the skill set that comes and then that skill set builds to these bigger things the bigger mindset you you, mm -hmm. you you cannot one of the mistakes i think people make all the time you, you've probably heard of cognitive behavioral therapy or affirmations which mm -hmm. is a which is a piece of cognitive behavioral therapy it, it's it's such bullshit. You probably have had somebody who's on before me, or someone's coming after me that's going to say affirmations are great. And so you know, you're going to be like, ah, there was this guest a couple of weeks ago that said it was all bullshit. What do you think of that? <laughs> Someone said bullshit. Uh, and this is why. This is why because you can go and in because it's because of that evil voice in our head. 
right? Is that you can look mm-hmm. at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a loving person. I'm a joyous person. I'm a giving person. I love myself. I love my body. And every time you say that, that voice in your head is saying something. It's like uh, it's saying something totally opposite. It's like, what's that superhero sure. show um, with, uh, with the black goo? Tom Hardy was the character. Um, Venom. It's venom. like having that thing in your head, that yeah. venom thing in your head that's saying, no, let's go this, right? Yeah. That's exactly what it yeah. is. And so you say, I'm going to be a nice person. And there's gonna, then the, the evil thing is saying, oh, no, you're not. You're not a nice person because of this and this and this and this and this. And who's going to win that argument? And then mm-hmm. you say, I love myself and I have a, I cherish my body. And, and then the, the evil thing's going to say, yeah, except your fat ass and, you know, your saggy balls or your tits or whatever. It's good. It's just, it's, it's, it's preloaded and it knows every single button to push on you. So we can say, oh yeah, after mm. The, the technology about affirmations is great, but it overlooks the fact yeah, in that theory. in our mind is, um, you know, this demon spawn that is just waiting to <laughs> argue the opposite with us. So the best thing you can do is just say, shut up. Literally. I mean, literally yeah. say to yourself, <clears throat> you know, it's like having a kid who's arguing with you in the grocery store. They want this and they want that. And they want that. And you're like, shut up. You're not getting it. We're going period. No, just no, I'm not even mm-hmm. talking about it. We're going. And that's, and, and if, and if saying it silently to yourself doesn't work, as long as you're not on a subway and in some bus station or airplane, definitely not. If you're Grocery on store. an airline, <laughs> should you sitting next to somebody, you not, should not start saying this out loud. But if you're private, if you're in your privacy of your own home or you're going for a walk in the woods and that voice is going on, it is mo- more effective than affirmations to say out loud. Will you just shut up? I'm not listening to you. Shut up <laughs> and Cut it off because we ne- we will never win the argument, no matter what the cognitive behavioral people want to brainwash us to think. Right? You know that. Pe- people know that inherently because <laughs> we've argued with that thing in our head for years and we've not won. I think people look for the thing that they can sink their teeth into where they can go, oh, this is the thing. I actually had a conversation with somebody recently talking about addiction. And they were like, I don't really believe that it's a disease because those people – actually chose to do those things. It's now a dis-ease within their system, but it's not something they can just lean a crutch on. And to some people, that's fucking wild. They're like, oh, totally, it's a disease. Other people are like, ah, I think you're onto something. So I think it's all kind of the package of the thing. Hell, even religion. They go, here's the package of this thing that is really just faith-based to help you be a better person and make smarter decisions. But you need this box because people are like, well, I don't know what it is. Oh, it's a box. I can sit my ass in that box. Right. Great. Sit You're your right. ass in the box. Right. Other people can look at the box. They can inspect the box. They can look around it. They can ask other people, like, hey, what is, what is this box to you? So I think there's those little activities in those moments where the affirmation, yes, if you're just saying words and in the back of your mind, it's right, like, fuck exactly. you, God, <laughs> right. you know, then you're like, what the fuck? Uh, but at the same time, I, I realized going through affirmations and all that there's a depth that you can get to where the body feels it. You have that sensation that it starts to actually get into the subconscious, but it's hard for people to get to that point, even sitting there and doing meditation of just 
understanding it is what it is and having that feeling of just being content in that moment. There's that gray area when people start something and then they go, uh, it's not really working. I don't know. And they just pull the fuck out or they get through it and go, huh, because you've experienced that feeling. I'm sure of it where you just embody something mm-hmm. even to yourself where you're like, you're going to be confident walking right, into this right, fucking right. meeting and you own right. it and you walk then people have to attach all that together. But that might take a, a, a level of intelligence or wondering, you know, at least to go, there are multiple pieces here. So how, in simple terms, would you explain to somebody to go ahead and do that for themselves, to combine those pieces to help them? The, the, the best thing you can do if, you, if you're working to combine pieces is to get it out of your head and get it written down on a plan. Um, it doesn't make sure that, and, and, mm. and, and handwriting is better, in my opinion, than typing it up because we just feel so detached from the keyboard. But you sit down uh, and and mm. scribble out some plan on what you need to do and what you're going to, what efforts you're going to make to move in that direction. And then if you can have an honest conversation with somebody and find somebody to hold you accountable around those pieces, then you can really move forward. And that might be a coach. That could be a friend. It could be, you know, a, a colleague. You were talking about addiction earlier. I mean, that's one of the strengths mm-hmm. of AA. If you have an honest relationship mm-hmm. and you're open and exposed to your sponsor, your sponsor can hold you accountable mm-hmm. to all those demons that they know are there because they've had it themselves. And, but that only happens mm-hmm. if you're honest and, and, and bring a, bring integrity to that relationship. If you don't, then everything's going to go, everything's yeah. going to fall apart. I think that goes for all relationships, no matter what, like if you walk into something and you're not with integrity, you're not being honest how can you expect any of it to be right <laughs> successful at all? Right. Um, and I, I, I find that there are times where I have conversations with people where I spend a lot of time to help them break through on their own to be able to go, fuck it, fine, I'm here. Right. Oh, I'm here. Yeah, let's do this thing. Right. Like, now I'm ready. You're like, good. Now you can actually learn. Now you can actually make the change. We spent, we spent so much time, Nick, um, thinking about... Because we have attachment, because we don't have equanimity, we're thinking about the outcome that we want and speaking in a way that totally lacks integrity because we have some goal in mind. It's really manipulative and skeevy when you think about it. We do that with our friends. We do that with our spouses. (laughs) We do that with our kids. We do that with our parents. And everybody else does the same thing with us because we're all, and then they're like, oh, I got to take a class on emotional intelligence so I can be better. And, and really all emotional intelligence is, is be, have integrity and don't be so skeevy with your communications yeah. and, and, and your approaches to other human beings. You have to be able to break through those, po- those parts so that you have authentic relationships um, and recognizing it. And recognizing that you do it is the first step. It's like we were talking about AA. It's like recognizing you have a disease is the first step to fixing it, right? It's like once you're aware that you have a disease, it's like like, I'm aware I I have high blood pressure. Well, I have now two choices. I can continue to have Cheetos and ice cream. 
ice cream, vanilla ice cream sprinkled with Cheetos. And uh, <laughs> I was yeah. going to say same time because that sounds like a frosties and in the evenings, sort of situation. or I can eat healthy and work on my diabetes. I have a choice there. I have a disease. And I, and, and I now have a choice mm -hmm. on how to treat it. The same thing with alcohol. I have a disease. I can continue to drink or I continue to shoot heroin or any of these other pieces, or I can, you know, embrace, you know, sobriety and figure out a path, whatever that means for me to move forward mm -hmm. in a, a whole sober life. And the same thing is true with integrity. Once you, once you have that, if you can break through with another person without the games, I was lucky to be able to do that mm -hmm. with one person in my life. I was really, and we had um, a great relationship and were able to really call each other out on those games. I let him do it to me. I did it with, and he did it and I did it mm -hmm. with him and it was really, really helpful. And that's not many other people I do that with. Oh yeah. It can definitely take a lot to allow people in to whatever your inner circle is. And to allow those sort of people, that's a right. tighter circle because you sometimes need to allow those people right. actually into your space. Now, if that is a coach or an accountability friend or colleague or whatever, I think it's a matter of being able to pick those people properly. Um, but it takes both people to be open. So I think at the core of it, people need to be aware of what they uh, what their problems are. If you think of the, the diseases and the things like you're talking about, your Cheetos and ice cream problem together may <laughs> not be a problem. No, it totally is. Um, but if you think of like those people that are in those situations, it may not be just the thing in front of them. That's a problem. Exactly. It's the things that are behind them, the things that they've done yeah. that are the problems. So how do you work with your clients to be able to get them to unearth those things, uh, past the point of just here's a surfacey level and actually telling you the innermost shit that they deal with. Trust takes a while to build. Once trust builds and and mm -hmm. and you've established a relationship with someone that you can be honest with, then you can really open up. If people come to me as a coach and they're mm -hmm. very surface level with stuff. Because one of the things we do very, very early on is we build this image that you were talking about. We were talking about ego earlier. We build this image of you build this image of who Nick Nick is. Nick is this. Nick is that. Nick is this. Da, 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 da. And and then the second thing we do is we want to take that image and build it, whether it's right or wrong, whatever that image is that we're attached to, we build that image in other people's minds. We want other people, your spouse, your husband, mm -hmm. your daughter, your son, your mother, your father. This is who Nick is. This is what Nick's all about. It's like we've got this PR mm -hmm. branding. It's like Facebook on crack that we do. Um, we're doing Facebook long <laughs> before there was Facebook and trying to give people this image of who the, who the right Nick is, who the good Nick, Nick is, Nick, this is who Nick is. And mm -hmm. anything that, and it's like, it's like having it, the altar and, and, and church of Nick. And we want people to praise that idol. And we want people to love that idol. And we want people to cherish that idol. And so part of, part of the shift comes recognizing that that image of Nick is not who you are. Really, you, it's created in your mind and mm -hmm. you're putting that out there for other people to worship and praise and, and joy and love. And, and then the second thing that the other piece, the other factor that happens with this, it's closely related to this image of, of me and I, and that is 
my and mine. So my car, my son, my daughter, mm. my parents, right? You see something happen to somebody else's son or daughter and you're like, no, oh, whatever, you know, but if my son does that or my daughter does that, that's a different piece because it relates back to this, this, mm -hmm. the church of Nick, uh, and you've created, cause this is not how people act in the church of Nick, mm. right? Not my son, not my daughter, not my, right? It's yeah. right. That's a, well, that's a pathetically trained dog. But my dog, right? Somebody came over here and said, it came here to the animal <laughs> rescue a couple weeks ago. And she got, she had this dog in her car. This dog was freaking crazy. Uh, it was, she pulled it out and it was going after one of the animals. It's pulling on the leash. She goes, you know, my dog is well-trained. And I turned to her and I said, you know what? Everybody says their dog is well-trained. No, there's very few people that says my dog's crazy. Um, or it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, they, they're like, oh yeah, it's the best dog on the planet. Right. I have, there is one person they were, <laughs> they were here helping out at the rescue this weekend. Um, Emma and Emma Gaffney, she's got a little crazy little dog named Chainsaw, and that dog is little, it's whack. That dog's on Prozac and all kinds of other meds and stuff, and shakes like this when you go to like touch it. And I mean, she's like, no, my dog has issues. So we kept it away from all the other dogs and animals and everything while she was here because um, she's. She's the only person I know that is that has not said my dog's the best dog on the planet. Um, well, sounds like she couldn't really hide it. <laughs> like if she was like, no, the dog's all right. You'd be like, there's something wrong. Yeah, the dog, the dog has an overbite like this. You know, it's it's you know, <laughs> growls at you when you go by. Um, you know, but still, still, she it's it's my dog. If something were to happen to that dog for her, that would be a core. Yep. struggle for her right she loves that dog man it's um those are things the attachments that we gain throughout the our life that we think make us that make us who we are i think we experience at different times and i i'm experiencing this even as of late um the right? unfolding of who you actually are and figuring out who you actually are and then showing people like hey this is me Kind of take me or leave me. Part of this is the fucking podcast, or as you put it, the Church of Nick, which is not associated <laughs> yeah. with the podcast. Completely different. They're non-exempt. You know, whole deal. Um, but really figuring out the stuff that you have internally, that I think that aligns with you or doesn't align with you, starts with, as you were saying, right. just that awareness. You got to be able to look at that shit first. And uh, I appreciate the i'm sure there are tons of stories we get into with you that we haven't even touched the surface on yet um but we're about at our time man so one of the things i would definitely want to ask you that i ask everybody that's on the show what's one piece of advice you'd give to somebody that's on their path towards self-mastery live your life so that you would not have any regrets and let me tell you what, I'm, let me be clear on what that means. That does not mean live your life so that you are just off the deep end doing drugs, bungee jumping and all of this other stuff. That means that if you're uh, somebody close behind to you died, that means if you died tomorrow and you could send a message to somebody else, you should say, don't feel sad for me because I live the best life that I can. 
I have no regrets about any of the decisions I made along my life. I don't have no regrets about any of the things I've said to people along my life. And if you can live your life that way so that you have no regrets or things that you say, I wish I did this. If only I had done that. I should have done that. If you can live your life so that those words and phrases don't enter it at all, you are on your way to true equanimity. Great way to pull that back around. So thank you for tying that loose end with, with the equanimity. So Scott, tell us, where can people uh, connect with you? Where can they find you and your plethora of books? So all you have to do is go to Google and Google G. Scott Graham. There we go. And you will see all these books just waiting for you to uh go through and get, and there's more. Those are the ones that I have floating around that are in print. Um, and uh, those are my props. I've been so waiting, Nick, to pull them You're out. Welcome. Cause I'm a tad, that's, those are, those, these, these are the core pamphlets of the church of Scott, <laughs> right? So these are the, this is what we sing and praise in, in the church of Scott. So you can go to gscottgram.com and you will see tons of links that you'll see this podcast there. You'll, you'll see links to other social media places. Just go to that. And that will take you everywhere. Perfect. Well, again, thank you for joining the show. We appreciate your time. What a pleasure. You really provide a great service out there to really help people be aware of how this impacts the rest of our lives. Thank you. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self-Mastery Show. I have to say, the biggest takeaway from this conversation for me is equanimity. Even if you're not familiar with the term, you're definitely familiar with the definition because I believe it's something you and I are both striving for. Equanimity is mental calmness, composure, and evenness of temper, especially in a difficult situation. Is this something you're striving for? If so, how's it going? I'd love to hear about it, hear about the journey that you're managing your mindset and striving towards self-mastery and equanimity. So what did you think about today's episode? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the conversation we got into. And if you enjoyed the episode, please go over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. If this episode opened your eyes and made you think or smile at all, I'm sure it's going to do the same thing for a friend of yours. And if you really enjoyed the show today, go ahead and share it with that specific friend that just popped in your mind. Yeah, yeah, that person right then. Just go ahead and share with them. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. And check out the show notes for more information, contact info for Scott, and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com, as well as our YouTube channel. You can just search The Mindset and Self Mastery Show, and all of those videos are going to pop up for you. And thanks again, Scott, for being real, for being honest, for being funny and vulnerable with us, and for sharing some really great wisdom. I'd like to also thank our sponsors, The Manly Club and The Powerhouse Men Brotherhood. Men, do you consider yourself to be a powerhouse man? The criteria for becoming one is simple. Live with virtue and do good work. You see, a powerhouse man builds his life. He doesn't settle for it. He attacks mediocrity at the root, and that's exactly what we do in The Powerhouse Men's Brotherhood. Visit themanlyclub.com for more details. And with that, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for showing back up and listening to these. I hope you're getting something out of this, and I'd love to hear from you about it. And with that, remember, your mindset matters, and so do you. Yeah.